Dallas Foreigner with Urgent. Welcome back to Life MMA in the NBA. I am your host, DJ San Marco, being joined by Dr. Will Wu and Mr. Nick Kazona. How are you, my friends? What's up, everyone? Man. Hey, what's up? What's up? Man, that foreigner don't even want to go low enough. I'm trying to get a little lower, and it just gets totally gone. I got to get a better get a better volume control on that so it can play underneath. But uh, welcome back to life, MMA and the NBA in uh, a very uh, difficult uh, week in our nation's history. Um, again, it's uh, awesome to uh, be joined by my brothers again, um, the doctor of motor control and learning from Cal State Long Beach, uh, Dr. Will Wu, and the doctor of love and heavy metal, Nick Cazono. Uh, <laughs> and Will, are you going to smile anytime tonight? Oh, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, Nick and I are having a private conversation without okay. you. Oh, and we're trying well. to figure out if uh, TJ Dillashaw and the Jose Aldo fight is going to be real or not. That this is a okay. So this is a great topic for tonight. I'd like to attack that because we actually Nick probably saw my comments on Twitter about that. But, uh, but, and so MMA will have in the second part of the show, in the first part of the show, we are delving into a new area. We're jumping in a new arena. It's kind of like Kirk jumping in the middle of that, that ring with, with Spock, and they got these kind of weird looking weapons. And there's, the uh, get out of here, you nerd. No one wants to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're ju- we're jumping in the reality TV pool, and on us uh, t- uh, on with us tonight is the lovely and talented Mandy Slutsker of um, Is This Real Life? I believe is the name of her pod. So I got to make sure that I get right. that is correct. That is correct. Is this yes. is this real life? Is this real life? Question mark. Question mark. So so Will, can you put in the question mark for us? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> our scribe dr will Wu. uh i know how much he missed me i mean it's obvious um uh, but <laughs> he's like really it's not obvious to me well um, dj didn't take us on the tropical island he's on right now so oh man i'm telling Kinda you messed man. up on nick this looks dope jealousy i'm already getting choked out by somebody and <laughs> i'm about to call down. for the lifeguard because i'm You're gonna drown to... if i go out and surf drinking like a mojito or something in the background <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Mandy Slutsker, we're gonna we're gonna hit up Vanderpump Rules. We're gonna hit up Below Deck. I'm gonna hit up Below Deck with her, um, because I like Below Deck Med. Uh, and the reason I like Below Deck, Below Deck Med, and Below Deck Sailing. Now they actually started there's a three third. There's there's a new franchise this year where they did a sailing yacht for the first time, which was really interesting. Um, and. Because it is real. It is a high... I know it's real. Well, here's what... This is what I know about it. Is... It's reality TV, Nick. (laughs) You guys be cool. You'll be cool, man. Yo. It's it's working in a high-pressure situation on a yacht. Around... Yeah, having to serve rich people in service. I've seen the show. It's pretty good, actually. My mom likes that show. I actually... I kind of enjoyed some like I, I've seen probably like maybe eight episodes. It's dope, episode. man. It's dope. It's, not, it's kind of addicting. I'm not gonna. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add on there her below deck chief stews, and with that we can ask her about Kate, Hannah, 
Francesca, the new one from this year, and the one from sailing named Jenna. Woo, man. So there's some there's some good meat on the bone there. Uh, we'll ask her about... Oh, you, we were going to ask about Tom Girardi and um, to give us an update on Tom Girardi and Erica Jane and Will. Uh, basically, uh, we talked about it a little bit last week on the show, but um, Erica the Jane... Housewives is, show, right? Real, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, one okay. of the stars. And her husband was a very high-powered lawyer in L.A. And the story has something to do with him spending clients' money because he would do work where uh, it was like, uh, um, I don't know, pro bono is not the right word. Uh, I guess it's in Latin, it's the this for that. So basically, if we win, um, I'll take 40% of the of whatever you're awarded by the court, that kind of thing. So he did plane crashes, very big events, and apparently he was a very feared lawyer So in L.A. So anyway... So we'll ask uh, Jess about an update about that and what her thoughts are. But uh, from what I heard on some of the reality podcasts, there's, she, there's a considerable amount of exposure out there for both Erica Jane and her husband, depending on how much she knew. So um, it'll probably remind Will of his friends, uh, Lori Lachlan and Massimo Giannulli. So <laughs> that's, a, that's actually think, another... Go ahead. I yeah. think that's popular these days. Organizations bringing in money or bringing in money and spending it on things that they're not supposed to spend. Yeah, and let me while you guys are uh, guys get, get kind of preview what we're going to talk about with MMA, and I'm going to get the name of that young lady who went to USC on the rowing scholarship that was uh, Massimo and um, and Lori Lachlan's daughter. So go ahead and go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. Oh, so is that fight going to be real, Nick? Have you heard anything about it? I've heard just people talking about it on Twitter, just, you know, arbitrarily, just like anything. So I don't know. If what what fight? Because you didn't introduce the, the fight again. The uh, Jose Aldo and TJ Dillashaw. Because Dillashaw, Dillashaw, his suspension's up, I think, now. I think January was, like, when it's up. I could be wrong, but it's he's he's good to go. That'd be a, that'd be a big name fight. I think people would get uh, a lot of interest in just the names of them. Yeah, they, they you know he beat Henan Brow, his his training former training partner, and you know he won the title from Henan Brown. So they have some sort of a you know you could build some sort of story. You know he he beat one of his one of his teammates and everything from Novo and Yao and and everything. They could kind of build it from there. And I don't know. Aldo's a name. People will pay attention to it, so I think it's a good, it's a good name value wise. I think it's, it's a good fight. And I mean, Aldo still got, he still, he could still, he still got some, some pizzazz to him, you know. So I think for TJ to come back and get a win against Aldo, it it, it tells you that hey, he could still, he's still, he could be a, he still had, he's still a title contender. And if Aldo wins, you know what? People love Aldo, so they'll they'll be they'll be freaking pumped. And I think TJ is kind of right now. He's in the eyes of some fans, he's still a villain based on you know the failed drug tests and everything like that. So yeah, but oh, yeah. I, I mean, lots I, of stuff. Going. But talking about how it shapes up, I really don't think it's a good fight for Aldo. I don't think whatever great takedown defense that he did have, and it was considerable. I don't think it will be enough to keep it on the feet against TJ. If TJ goes in there 
Uh, and if if Aldo's not landing, he's gonna like... take down Aldo. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Why don't you? I don't think he's gonna take down Aldo. Oh, he will. When's the last time TJ took anyone down? Oh, uh... not to say he can't do that, but maybe Dominic. Me. Maybe Dominic. I'm not sure. Did he take down Dominic? I, don't I remember think that being a dominant theme in the fight. I can agree with Nick. Is you have the potential, but. Um... Seems like it's not. He, it's not. He's not like a. Obviously, he's not a Khabib, but he yeah, has preferable that mode. He did have some scrambles with Cody, but I don't think he took Cody down. But they had some grappling exchanges, some scrambles. He did take down John or uh, what's his face, John Lineker. But Lineker is a wild, you know, knock your head off kind of guy. He's not known for his takedown defense. Okay, let's 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 look Although at it, this. Let's look at this logically since we have Dr. Spock uh, opposite me right now. Um, that's you, Will. Just put on – do you have any of the pointy ears, the Halloween? Just – but, um, okay. I'll say this. The Leonard Nimoy. I'll of... say this. <laughs> who who has taken down Aldo and been oh, successful? Um, Alexander Volkanovsky has. Uh, okay. Max Holloway. Uh, Max Holloway no, was pound. He was pounding him out, man. He didn't, but he didn't take him down. He knocked him down. Okay. Go for Max Holloway doesn't go for take. I think I think Aldo might have like made a half-hearted like Connor on Nate Diaz shot, and just got rolled. I don't. I, I don't remember, but I, I'm. I don't I'm think. Say, he, I'm I think he got knocked down. TJ. Okay. Okay. Let's 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 do. We'll be on the lookout for Mandy to chime in. Okay. Right. We're gonna do All this. Is, we're gonna. We're going to talk about this. I want to just put an intelligence spin on this. If you're TJ Dillashaw and you're facing a guy that has at least showed a, a modicum of renewed interest in leg kicks, how many leg kicks do you think it's going to take before he makes the shot of his life? Oh, there we go. There's Mandy. Hi, guys. Hey. How are you? Hey. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on. Good to see you. Good to see you. Oh, we have music. I didn't even get to, we I should have logged off before Mandy. So we have a music for Mandy. Her intro Ooh. music. So just so just just hang on a second here. Just just hang on. Here we go. Recently added. That music right there is for a very special guest, someone we are extremely honored to have on. One of the three, one of the three women that I deem reality TV goddesses, and that of course is Mandy, Kate, and Jess. All right, that's where <laughs> that's that's so that's much. where it's at right here. So party people, put your hands together. For Mandy Slutsker. You guys are so kind. Yes. I just, I had to go with Mary J because, you know, Kamala walked out to her. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's also a personal favorite song of mine. So when she came out to that, I was like, oh. I got much love and it it caused me to go out of my comfort zone, which is 1670s rock, and actually move into a different century i guess so this is really good yeah mandy so you saved us a little bit at least nick (laughs) (laughs) all right so we've been stuck in the 70s and early rock country 
I do. I do like seventies rock. I do. <laughs> okay, Mandy. One of the, the one of the the uh, one of the songs I played as a lead into the show a couple weeks ago was from Steve Winwood in nineteen seventy when he sang for Traffic, called Empty Pages. <laughs> so, oh my god! I. <laughs> which I, I, I know, will, right? You're like I what? <laughs> I, I will. I will, Mandy. I was like, what in the world is this? But it had some pretty good funk to it, and I must admit that I was listening to it for the past couple days over and over again. So it's not, it wasn't that bad. It sounds worse than it is, but it is actually a pretty cool tune. Okay. And, I'm and, sure. and while I'm doing that, I just want to, uh, I want to just play it for Mandy so she can hear it and see what she thinks of it. Okay. Here it is. You can get down with that, right? See? Yeah, no, I so, definitely can get down with that. So I'm not so bad. So anyway, I want to introduce you, Mandy, to my co-host. Uh, on my left is uh, the professor of motor control and learning at Cal State Long Beach, Dr. Will Wu. Nice. That's How him. you doing? Right there. Mandy is wondering what in the heck motor control and learning <laughs> is. Don't worry about it. It's not important for this show. Sports science. <laughs> is that fair? Okay, yeah, sports science. Sure. There you go. Yeah. And at the center is the doctor of, well, actually the, the nursing student sociology major and heavy metal bass player. All three of us have grappled together, Mr. Nick Cazono. Nice. Nice to meet you, Nick. Nice to meet you as well. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, there is nothing alcoholic in here, I assure you. <laughs> if there's any not, clue though, he does make his own skin look oh yeah i mean mandy sh mandy most likely just as a, as a result of appearing on the show will win some dj skincare formula let's see if she can see it can you see it i can sort of see it you through the background of, see, of zoom it. it kind of looks um I yeah there you go oh okay i see the dj now yeah <laughs> that's DJ, so cool organic skincare formula i will make sure you get some if you want it's some. not planned so. advertising in any way <laughs> it's, it's not i give it to a, friends okay correct. it's just something it's i do a, man it's a way for me to poke fun at dj which uh, this is, i think it's the reason why he asked me to be on the shows because he likes for me to poke fun at him. i do i do enjoy I, I can dish it out but i can also take it yes i can um, as you can tell, I shaved. I, the reason I shaved is because I didn't want to appear to Mandy as the Jewish Ernest Hemingway of yoga, which is why <laughs> I, I'm relatively shaved. So, so here we go. Uh, so anyway, Mandy, uh, we we didn't have you on to talk MMA much as you thought. You were probably prepared to talk about a bunch of UFC fights or breakdown of the Lakers lineup changes since uh, since uh, Dwight and uh, Rajon Rondo went east. But no, actually, we're going to talk reality TV with you. How's that? That sounds awesome. All right. So um, there are plenty of fights in reality TV, right? There oh are, oh and they God. are not as scripted. Oh my God! <laughs> the the drama that uh, Mandy and her guests was talking about with, um, uh, I think it was the uh, Potomac ladies, and mm -hmm. and the weirdness with the young lady. I believe her name is Mary from Salt Lake City. Now, I haven't watched those, but I was like, wow, with the stuff you guys were saying. Like yeah, mental if issues. if any of you guys are not very familiar with Housewives, 
I highly encourage you to watch just the first episode of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It is a very, very interesting look um, and it's a different kind of Housewives franchise, mainly because it takes place in the cold too. (laughs) So, um, but it is uh, a lot more diverse of a cast Mm -hmm. than I've ever seen. And it's just a very unusual group of people, um, but in a good way. It, yeah, uh, that that's uh, it. Sounds like reality TV gold, but um, but I want to ask you about another franchise that's on a hiatus right now, and that is one that I know you love because I know the name of your dog, and oh, so <laughs> so I want to ask you about Vanderpump, and I want to yes. I want to ask you for a percentage chance, if if what is the percentage chance that Randall would be dating Lala? If he were a server at Sir. Oh, I don't know that. Um, hmm. I'm in the single digits, but maybe you'll prove me. You know, I could be wrong. Maybe like a one in three chance, like 33. So you think you think if he were server at Sir, he could be dating Lala? If I he weren't think, rich? I think if he lost all his money now, they would still be together. Okay, I'm saying from from the jump, from jump. It depends if they, because I feel like they have this trauma bond. I don't know what it is, but she very much relies on him and believes in him, and he knows how to handle her. And they have stayed together through her alcoholism, Mm -hmm. and which is not an easy thing, um, through her getting sober, which is also not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. And um, she is now on good terms with his ex-wife, she is plays stepmom to the two girls that he has. Like, there's something real there. Okay, now, so you think it's developed? I'm I'm curious if if there were enough kindling to create that fire where he an hourly employee is, sir. That's the theory I'm positing. I'm saying there's like no yeah, chance. I mean, but... I don't know. I just I don't think it's none. No. Okay. All right. No. So we're so we're not at zero. Uh, we maybe may... maybe they wouldn't have met at the age that they that she was. Maybe like as she got older and matured more, she'd be more open minded to who she dated. I, I, I think yeah. he attracted her with his money and his wealth, but she fell in love with him, not just the money. Okay, that's fair. Um, that's what I think. And one of the podcasts, I don't know if it was yours, called her a great reality TV star, so to speak. And for me, kind of like... It wasn't mine. <laughs> it wasn't your show. And I like I so. said... I wonder if it was Jess. It might have been no, Jess. No, probably... It might have been Jess. Yeah. And the reason the reason I ask you the question is because what I thought was so cool was listening to one of the creators explain how Vanderpump Rules started. And he said, basically, we took these guys... We sat them down at a restaurant and we just said, okay, go. And it just happened. It was just like organic. And I think the thing that, that bothers me about some shows is that people will like, in her case, you know, try to get on the show and just act wild and crazy and and sort of throw invectives around and become that that which she thinks these producers want her to be. And I think it lost some of the organic nature that it it kind of looked like it had when it started. 
Is that yeah. is that fair or do you think I um, think it's very fair especially in season 8. It was like the least organic it's ever been and the most set up and they they were trying to bring in new blood and it was not people that had worked there forever. It was people that they found and they brought in that they had cast basically. Right. Um there are people that work in these restaurants that are friends with the cast that they could have cast mm-hmm. but you know they're, yeah, they're, they're they're yeah because I think when when um, Jess had on the young lady from uh, Workout Jack Jackie, oh and, yeah, I watched that show. That's yeah, show. and Jackie really took us behind the fourth wall of things that I didn't know. Like Jackie was saying that producers, like I think they had a, a little bit of a cocktail party. She's like, hey, you know, you better drink and you better kind of like you know start drinking and. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be on the show anymore. And like that, to, from a guy who started with the real world, like you put seven people in a house and see what happens. Like that was my in, you know. And now, yeah. like, I feel like to me, a lot of Bravo, because I used to watch, just to give you an idea where I'm coming from. I started with New York. You know, I'm a huge Bethany fan. Like I know you are. Um I got a little bit turned off when, and I think you and I spoke about this online once, that Jill Zarin was like so angry that Bethany was getting shine, a girl that basically had nothing. And I would be like so happy if I had a friend that that happened to. She wasn't. Um, so I went in New York. I, uh, in, I went um, to New Jersey, Atlanta. My wife is really into Atlanta. You know, um, OC, we watched OC like right from the get. But then I kind of got the sense that too much of it was set up. Like I remember Kate saying the Potomac girls shouldn't even know each other because they don't live anywhere close to one another. I think, yeah, I don't know how they do casting, but they do find people that do somewhat know each other. Um, So like Robin and Giselle knew each other from before. Karen and Giselle knew each other from before. Giselle was pretty key um, into this. They don't live near each other but that doesn't mean they wouldn't run in similar circles if that makes polo sense. matches and these kinds of things <laughs> yeah right no um but uh, you know a couple of them are married to very high profile athletes um from the nfl and nba okay. so um you know juan dixon played mm-hmm. in the nba right and yes. um also uh monique samuel's husband chris samuels mm-hmm. is like a huge football player, you know, who I think also invested his money that he got from football extremely wisely. Okay. That's <laughs> I truly believe that. Like there is no way, like he handed it off to someone who like yeah. managed his money. He wasn't just like spending it on absolutely nothing. And as a result, they have four homes. Wow. So, oh, wow. so it's not the rent. So that was the other thing I was going to talk about. You mentioned on your show at Salt Lake City that these people rent homes for the show. So one of them does for sure. But she, OC too, right? I don't believe anyone in OC currently um, rents their home just for the show, okay. right? They have they rent their home and they live there year round. Okay. Um, a lot of them are dealing with aftermath of, aftermaths of divorce and other things, and so. Yeah. not buying makes sense yeah. but um yeah it was just interesting because jen shaw she has a she calls it the shaw chalet so she's actually married to a football coach at the university of utah and i looked right. him up and he is i think the special teams and 
something else like specific coach. Right. Um, I was like, oh, is that really a big deal? But apparently it is. And he travels all the time and everyone knows him and he's coach Shaw and it's a whole thing. So I think she got into this because she was lonely and her kids were getting older and she wanted to do something crazy. And she has a really wild personality. So I believe that Bravo and production companies that work with Bravo focus more on people's personalities and they find the right personality than they are focused on anything else. And when you have that right personality for reality TV, it's gold. They don't need to be drunk. They don't need to be high. They don't need to anything else. Like they don't even need to have that much money. They just need to have some it factor. What do you, what do you think that is? If you were to name those characteristics, is there specific model that they're looking for in terms of that personality? I feel like there are prototypes, like they're Mm. not all the same. So Mm. there's a Bethany who is just very quick and witty, Um, just incredibly, incredibly quick witted. Um, The greatest ever. (laughs) Right? I don't, I I mean, I think she was one of the greatest people ever on reality television. She's incredibly funny. I mean, they all have a streak of narcissism. And my favorite type of reality TV star is one that is delusional, but not entirely bought into their own self-importance. So a Sonia is like my <laughs> yeah, favorite. Right. I love right. Sonia. There is some reality. Yeah. This, and she's delusional, right? So she married yeah. one of the JP Morgan people from the mm-hmm. Morgan family. So she's Sonia Morgan. And she got divorced, I don't even know how many years ago at this point, and still is like living in 1985, like in her head. Like, it's just, I mean, it is a bit wild. And there is some darkness and some pain there, but she is light and she is fun and she is insane. And let me tell you, during COVID, like in early March, she went um, to retreat in Palm Springs she ends up drinking a lot on the show and then after the show is done filming she dries out she gets like completely sober again she juices she exercises a ton she like gets it all together so she was at this spa in palm springs when covid got really bad and she basically ended up staying there for like three months oh my gosh (laughs) or something like that like she's like i'm not getting on a plane you know and um she ended up being like the only person staying there they would like juice things for her and like put it leave it at the door (laughs) oh i guess i I, i'm actually now i'm figuring i'm remembering how much i like her yeah and i know this because my brother and sister-in-law got me a cameo from her on my birthday and my birthday is may 15th and she was still there within five days of may 15th because she made the cameo she also the show is r-h-o-n-y roni right real housewives of new york seen that spelled and she should know it because she's on the show and she's one of the main stars and has been for 10 years um she called it ronnie (laughs) (laughs) like in the like she's just like such a like delusional but like fun loving she is hilarious and, and one of the funniest things you said the other night on the show, uh, the other day on your show, is you were talking about Ramona Singer, who is, is it fair to say batshit crazy? Yeah, yeah. And you, and you said, you said one of the things about Sonia is she apologizes to people. She doesn't actually know why she's apologizing, oh, but Ramona, that it's a social yeah. norm. <laughs> I was, no, I, 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 I truly it believe... resonated with me. <laughs> oh, I feel like 
there's an element of her that like is potentially on the autism spectrum like as as i because i'm not not kidding it as a non as a non uh, clinical you know I, I don't have the but but she routinely does things that offend people and never is able to clock that what she does or says may offend them and only figures it out when she sees their body language or hears their voice that she has done something to offend them. <laughs> yeah, but she yeah. can't figure it out beforehand. Just, so she just And there is a disconnect that like this keeps happening over and over. So she's clocked that she's hurt someone. She doesn't actually feel empathy for having hurt them. She just knows that socially she should apologize. <laughs> and that because this is the housewives, it is okay to say, I just want to move on from this. I just want to move forward. Because that's how people apologize on these shows that are full of complete narcissists that don't want accountability. But I don't believe she just doesn't want accountability. I believe she doesn't understand why she hurts people. <laughs> and I know it sounds crazy, but like if you watch her over all the years, like she's bewildered that people get offended at her. Do you, do you know what's at happening? At least she knows. At least she knows, but she just doesn't understand why. Uh, yeah, I think it's been a gradual, like by the time like season eight or season nine rolled around. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> that, that's a low bar, like, Will. You've set a very low bar here, Will. You know, but it's it took multiple years for her to be like, she's upset? You're upset? You know, and it's, it's like, yes, Ramona, you offended them, you know? That's a really good personality to have on the show because, or any show, because you have conflict but no one understands why the conflict is occurring so it just keeps on happening over and over again i think other people understand why the conflict is occurring she doesn't ever <laughs> clock it like she doesn't realize what a monster she is and she does she is missing a bit of an empathy chip huh? but, you know I, yeah. I i feel like i've been like to use a wrestling analogy i feel like mandy has suplexed me because i i came on the show wanting to complain about what I didn't like about some of the reality shows. And Mandy's like turned me around and got me to want to watch again. That's what you did, Mandy. Okay. Yes. You're going to have me back on Roni and you just destroyed my whole argument. man. I, I, I'm going to go to below deck now. That's where I'm going to go because I don't have any, you've trapped me. So Mandy, this is what happened. This is what happens pre-show. Nick and I aren't. Uh, Nick and I don't watch nearly as much as DJ. And pre-show, DJ's talking to us about all the shows and all the conflicts and the interactions. And Nick and I are just looking at each other, going, "Oh." You could also just go on YouTube and like Google like best Vanderpump Rules fights and or like funny clips. And yeah, you don't need to know all of the players (laughs) to enjoy the game. That's they have the same thing for baseball where you can get a baseball game in like 15 minutes. Dude, I just sent you the basket, the NBA link. So you guys could watch basically the game in 15 minutes of all the complete game highlights. (laughs) So So. Manny, I, I, I'm a, I kind of see the aftermath or the celebrity that's kind of, um, that people get or certain personalities get after shows or maybe even during shows. But my question is more oriented to um, their, I guess their compensation for the shows. I'm really, really curious about like how much, how much are they, how how much do they make? This is an age old question. So the Vanderpump Rules kids, like when you start, you make nothing, nothing. You make maybe 10, 12,000 for a oh, whole season. For a season. Oh. Of like maybe 12 episodes. And 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 just for context, how long does it take 
How much of your life is an episode? Um, I feel like they end up filming for Vanderpump Rules um, usually May through September, August, September. But right. then they they do all these other things where they film confessionals, where they talk about something that happened and mm. they interview you and you're talking about it as if it's happening at that moment, mm. even though it happened three months earlier. Okay. And those can take another four months or however long so and then by the time it comes out on tv you're doing promo for the Mm. show now all that is paid for like they will fly you to new york for promo they will you know bring you wherever for press but and as soon as it's done and you have uh to do a reunion so as soon as it's done airing so like you lived it maybe 10 months earlier and it's finally done airing and you've seen all the episodes and your castmates have seen all the episodes and you know from your perspective what happened but you didn't see everyone else's you know scenes and you didn't see their confessionals you don't know what they're saying to the camera behind your back and so then everyone confronts each other and that lasts at least you know I don't know, one, two, three episodes. So it almost feels like a year round job. Now, if the show like had like Vanderpump Rules became famous off the back of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and it starred one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. So people that were watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it like had this beautiful transition where you met some of the characters from the new show and it just like you thought Real Housewives of Beverly Hills just kept going. But it was this new show with these younger people that didn't have money, that were living in really shitty apartments where you couldn't have the air conditioning on and the microwave at the same time. And (laughs) West Hollywood or where where they is that right? In West Hollywood. And they all were wanna be models or singers or actors or whatever, you know, working at restaurants, trying to pay their bills. And they're like, whatever, we'll do this crazy show and see what happens. Well, it just became it blew up it absolutely blew up and i would say by season four their fame was like at an all-time high so and about and about that about those those cast members that were basically fired did you want to like just take us through what your thoughts are about the firing of uh, stassi schroeder um Let's see. Um, Kristen help me Doty. Out. Kristen Doty. And then, of course, yeah. uh, is, if it's separate or not, I guess it's separate instead with would... Jackson Brittany. Oh, yeah, with Jackson Brittany. Well, I don't know, like, what my opinion matters as, like, a white Jewish woman. It matters to us, like, man. <laughs> it matters yeah, to but us. But in, so what, the problem with, with Stassi Schroeder is that she um, – well, there are a lot of problems, but she had a <laughs> – she had a, a podcast where she was very unfiltered and that set her up for, you know, saying things that were offensive and shocking sometimes. And part of her brand was being like, whatever, I don't really know, but, and then saying her opinion. And she got into trouble <laughs> during like the Me Too movement when she didn't understand why people had gotten in situations like with Harvey Weinstein where men had taken advantage of them because she had been in situations and walked away mm. um, or refused to be alone with the guy. And just like, if I could do it, what about all these other people? And people got very angry with her and she had to um, take that podcast down. But then the following week had a rape survivor on and a person who grew up with sexual abuse in her family, in her home. 
and explained, you know, what actually happens in your own brain and in your psyche when you are being abused and all this stuff. And Stasi like apologized and, you know, it was saying that she was learning from this. She also um, did some other really dumb things that also uh, have like racial implications. So she had, she was really annoyed watching um, the Oscars because everyone was talking about race one year. And then she said something about like, why don't, um, you know, Asian Americans complain all the time the way like black Americans complain. Oh, I I can answer that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it all kind of culminated right after the murder of George Floyd in that there was one black cast member in the history of Vanderpump Rules. And that cast member was not treated very well. Now, um, she was barely on for like a season or two and then kind of faded out. Well, she reemerged on season six and she had had an affair with one of the main cast members who was in a relationship with this girl, Brittany. And everyone loves Britney. Stassi loves Britney, even though Britney is married to her ex-boyfriend. Like, everyone loves Britney. And this girl, they made the villain. Instead of blaming it all on the guy, it was like, she seduced him. She's crazy. She's this. She's that. And she's black. And she wears a weave. And there was apparently some poster that was in West Hollywood or something in the Daily Mail where there was a black woman who had stolen things and who had drugged men and stolen things from them. And they said, this is faith. Faith did this. Mm. We believe faith is the one who's like in the daily mail. And they they reported her to the police. They reported her to the police. Now, nothing ended up happening, but they joked about this on a podcast, Stasi specifically. um, And this happened like two and a half years before the murder of George Floyd. And I think that many white people in this country don't realize the danger that black people are in when police get involved. And she clearly didn't understand this. She also (laughs) has an obsession with murder and like true crime, like a lot of basic bitches. And she (laughs) seems to have this idea in her head that police like solve crime. And um, that's not what all police do. Anyways, so this all kind of comes to a head um, and it's brought up again by faith on like an, she like on an Instagram live and everyone, she's like, Oh yeah, my castmates did this to me. And people start looking it up and people are angry. Everyone's stuck inside. Right. It's been COVID for however many months people haven't gone anywhere. They're furious. They just saw a man murdered on live TV or on not live, but recorded. And so they start calling for her firing and Bravo that it just they ended up firing her and the other cast member and then two other cast members who were new on the show that had like horrible tweets from 2010 yeah um that's so, the backstory and then but but jackson Brittany are a separate thing because they got fired and i'm not sure that i, I don't even know what they got fired so for. i don't think Brittany got fired i think Jax she got stepped fired. down because jack's got fired and i mean truthfully how could you fire stassi and Kristen for what they did and for bragging about this when jacks basically um trolls people online like he's really rude to people online he says homophobic things he says transphobic things i don't even know if he's actually i don't know like he had lance bass do their wedding i don't think he's actually homophobic you know i think he's he's trolling 
yes he's just has this like innate high that he gets from being super nasty to people online i was super happy for them i was like so happy that things worked out and they got married and i i wish them well several times on twitter and i don't know why he would engage with a lot of haters there's obviously somebody that's as famous as he is there's going to be a lot of haters and why would you even engage and put yourself in that you know expose yourself if you will. i mean the other issue is so at the very last scene of this last season he said this is my show and they kind of broke the fourth wall (laughs) and lisa was like oh no this is my show and I think the problem with Bravo and these stars is you find people that have very strong elements of narcissism and who are slightly off. And then you give them this insane platform. Everyone tells them how much they love them. They get, and Stassi even said this, Stassi was like, I was rewarded my entire life for poor behavior. And that's not an excuse. I'm just trying to explain to you. Like I was always rewarded for being as outrageous as I could be. And I think Jax had been rewarded. He was a shitty person who was rewarded for shitty behavior for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, one day, almost overnight, certain types of shitty behavior become not okay in our society. Right. And then the carpet is pulled from under them. And they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's where the line is now? You know, so... It's almost like the shows in the production company, they're looking for that because they need that to grab the attention because that's what's going to catch people's eyes and catch their attention and then you can't be surprised that it kind of go it's it goes to hell or blows up in their face at some point and maybe not so much the show or the production company but that individual because you can only do that for so long until you say something that's going to offend you know half the country or a significant portion of the country or even just when you think that you are the show, which happens to on almost every franchise, there is an OG or someone who literally thinks that because they were there when the show started and that yeah. so much of the show has revolved around them and that they have all these fans, that the show won't go on without them. You know, we have that exact same problem here. DJ's always talking about his Twitter <laughs> followers. He's always talking about those sorts of things. It's like this. (laughs) We see it with his choice of music. We have an official show uh, music theme. He never plays it. He name drops people that he interviewed before. (laughs) This is just going to be so much of DJ bashing session. It's just (laughs) awesome, man. I'm just basking. I feel like Stassi Schroeder right now, man. Like I'm like Lala. Bring it on, man. It's it's so interesting because like if you. Think about it not on a Bravo level, but like if you just think about it in general, where there are people who take racist actions, right? Because I don't, what I've learned in the past year is it's not very helpful in ending racism or trying to be anti racist to call people racist, right? Because then they become super defensive and it ends up being an I'm not racist and you don't know what's in my heart type of an (laughs) argument rather than focused on someone's behaviors or actions. So I focus on racist behaviors and actions, not racist people. So when someone has a racist behavior or action, I think it's important to call them out and to try and bring them along um, where to become anti-racist and to like take work because it takes work to become anti-racist. You know, it's not something like you can be anti-racist in one moment and racist in another moment. And so it's just, 
people are trying to be so I feel like this idea of like punishing people and canceling people um isn't always the most effective way to try and change hearts and minds and and and, can I interject real quick Joe Rogan had on a black jazz musician who met with the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan and this gentleman, his name was Daryl something. So I think Nick probably remembers that episode. He turned over a hundred clan members. He went to weddings and all that. And that's exact. I think that's exactly what you're talking. People are like, what? You went to a clan rally? Like you went to their the house? And and he's like, yes. He's like, I went and had dinner. Like, how am I going to turn these people unless I go and engage with them? I th- I think that's what you were getting at. Yeah, although like Stasi Schroeder, as much as people call her racist, is like very far from a Klan member. I agree. She is a white woman from the South who grew up with a Republican family who she is much more liberal than the family that she was raised with. She lives in L.A. She supported Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Like she is not. Um, and sometimes those can be the most dangerous people, right? When they like think that they're like so woke that there's nothing left for them to learn. I don't think she's that person. <laughs> But I, I feel like people are so focused on like hating on her and not on the fact that like, let's all try and move forward together. I don't think people deserve a platform and she was deplatformed, you know, but I don't know. I just, you don't, you're not ready to flush the toilet on her. I, I'm not ready to... to flush the toilet on no. almost anyone. No, right. Um, whether it's reality TV or people I know in my life or people I see, people who voted for Trump and who are seeing what's happening and are thinking, oh, maybe I don't want my party to be like that. Maybe I want it to be different. Maybe I want to vote for, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I'm right. very not Republican, but yeah. but let's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't like to like this idea of. I think sometimes we go a little bit overboard. I, I also don't think most people actually get canceled. They still find a way to earn a living. They still, they're not in jail, things like that. But as a society, I think we can be like move people along the spectrum to become more anti-racist rather than like pointing at them and holding them accountable and, and, and I don't know, judging them on their worst moment. I agree with you a hundred percent and you are in an extremely diversity friendly show i think we all share your your feelings on that i don't so, know that's just i i do and i and i think I, that's i think that's a noble way of saying it but we've we've been pushing back a little bit on the oh, yes. <laughs> even we even even with mandy even with mandy we can push back a little okay um, go ahead well you're no, gonna no, get I, the full I, will I, woo <laughs> i i I agree. I agree with Mandy in that, um, in what you're saying. And it takes, uh, I actually think that's like a bigger person kind of stance, right? To be able to say, Hey, I'm going to look past my initial anger and, um, my initial emotions and say, okay, how do we make the place? How do we make this place a better place? Mm -hmm. We make it a better place by shunning them or do we make it a better place by trying to change them? But I think one of the things that sometimes that people need, um, is they need to feel some kind of resolution into, into when they felt wronged, especially with something so primal, such as you don't like me because just the way I look, right? Or some of those things. And some people get a satisfaction out of that. And I think that's like, that's that initial kind of primal reaction that's really tough to get by. Um, and you just talk about like, you know, Michelle's, uh, Michelle Obama's fit. Uh, famous quote right when people go mm-hmm. you're right when people go low we go higher kind of thing did i say that right um we go high yeah yeah, yeah we, we go, go high. high 
And um, that takes a really, that takes a really strong person to be able to do that. And they have to have the, you have to have the ability to not only get over their emotions, but where do you go after you get over the, those emotions, right? How do you make them, how do you try and make them a better person? How do you convince them that um, people are different, people that look different or believe differently are actually the same and should be treated equally? I think with stat, like, I don't think this should be the work of, of black people. Like, I don't think black people or other people of color, like need to like hold white people's hand through this. Like me as a white person, I should be doing this work. Mm. You know, Stassi's white friends should be doing the work with her. It's supposed to, for, you know, I need to hire a diversity coach. Like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, I could have done that job. I could have been like Stassi. I'm going to take you back to peak skill, man. But gonna get you she, I don't think like that's when it goes back to like, you don't know what's in someone's heart. I don't think she had hate in her heart for Faith. I think she saw it as you're a girl who fucked Britney's boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm angry with you and I'm going to try and get back at you and make your life hell because of that. And she in her privileged world did not think of the police as at calling the police on a black woman, a dangerous thing. And obviously seen George Floyd be murdered made a lot of people realize, oh my God, this is a real thing. And this probably happens a lot more often than we think in terms yeah. of, you know, this was an extreme case of abusive power, but how often when we're not looking, are they doing something? And so I think it really didn't take long for Stasi to get the problem, right? The other issue I had with it, um, and this isn't me being against her getting fired at all. It's just in terms of effectiveness, she made these comments two and a half years earlier. And Bravo was there, Evolution Media, which produces the show. They were there. Um, you know, her um, podcast and its sponsors, they were all like, no one batted an eye when she said these things about faith and about what she did two and a half years ago. And, you know, when you're training a dog, like trying to like get them to understand that peeing on the ground, like on your carpet inside is not okay. Like if they peed on your carpet and you let it sit for like a couple hours, you can't even reprimand them because they don't make the connection that what they did wasn't okay. Right. You have to do it immediately. You're like, okay, come outside. This is where you go to the bathroom or I'm going to carry you outside, you know? So two and a half years later for her. It's a bit unfair. Get, punished it's, it's not unfair it's just like not an effective way like she should someone should have corrected that at the time two and a half years ago absolutely right? right so i'm sure from her perspective it's like they're canceling me for something that happened two and a half years ago that they never had a problem with back then yeah it seems like bravo just kind of maybe not necessarily buckled under the sort of pressure of the fans to maybe have her have you know this this girl fired because of you know the current you know, situations yes. with George Floyd and, and the Black I, Lives Matter and everything like that. And that it was, fit yeah, what was going on. I mean, just Not like this, what yeah. ABC did when they got a black bachelor that had never even been on the show. And historically, they always take someone who had been on the season before and make them the bachelor. But instead, they were like, oh, we're going to take this guy that we know is, you know, he's biracial. He has a white mom. He's Christian. He kind of like meets our demographic. <laughs> Like he's super attractive. He played football in college. He did, you know, all of these things. Check, and check, check. No yeah, red flags. <laughs> it, you know, like they were just trying to move really quickly with where society was going 
without actually trying to do the hard work that goes with getting where we want to be. Yes. And and let me tell you guys where I want to be. I want to be at below deck because I promised promised Mandy 20 minutes. We're at like 49 minutes now. So oh, Mandy, sorry. no, I can you are you can you stay and do like I want to do like below deck, uh, get some pins on there and Olivia Jade yeah. if you have time. Yeah, so I have not been keeping up with below deck this season. Unfortunately, I'm like super behind, so no, I won't but be that's able okay. to. That's I can talk okay. in general about general. what it is. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> DJ right. loves blow decks. So. Here we go. He's yeah, been, every, he's man, been give me some training somebody, for this. He's been give me training some air, this moment for You guys are taking my air, on. man. <laughs> Get it Look out, DJ. We got Mandy Slutsker yeah, yeah. with three BJJ meatheads. This is just this is this is revolutionary, man. Her <laughs> friends are gonna love this, man. Okay, so Chief Stews, rank rank the one you like least to the one you like best, and we're talking from sailing yacht, blow deck med, and blow deck. So I haven't seen Sailing, but my least <gasps> favorite was probably Adrian from the first season. The first season. Wow. I didn't like Adrian. Okay. Um, I love Kate Chastain. Me too. And I think Francesca's pretty good too from this current season. But I also have only seen like two episodes. Oh. So I, I don't know. I have no idea what she's actually like. Yeah. Uh, and Hannah. So where's Hannah in there? Oh. Yeah. So Hannah... Uh, for reality TV is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think as a chief stew, not very good. Okay. Yeah. Especially in the last two seasons though, she kind of checked yeah. out like about yet yeah, two seasons ago. Also, there's a lot of drama between Hannah and Kate Chastain and I have to take the side of Kate Chastain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, d- so I, I met Kate in February before the world shut down. You did. She was in, yeah. She was in Arlington, Virginia. She mm-hmm. was doing like a book signing, but like it wasn't, it was a book that she had written years ago that mm-hmm. one of my friends happened to own and we just showed up at like a random bar and grill in Arlington, Virginia. Like no one was like with it. My, my friend was the only one that had a book that she mm-hmm. signed. Like it was just kind of like meet her. That's and awesome. so she was so funny. I didn't have anything to like give her or ask her. So I just handed her, <laughs> I handed her my jacket and I asked if she could make it into a rocket ship. Kate, would you like, <laughs> would you like my chapstick, Kate? I'm not, <laughs> there's still some left. <laughs> So she was really funny, but she did talk to us about what happened with Hannah. Wait, explain the rocket ship thing, because those guys don't get it. So tell them about the first season. Oh, it wasn't the first. It was some, however, whatever season ago, there was um, some guy that was being kind of a jerk who was on the boat, who was not working, who was like a guest on the boat. And they have to make all their beds and everything. And so there was a comforter and then there was this like throw blanket and she made the throw blanket into the shape of a giant penis and then <laughs> with balls was, with balls. Yeah. And then when she was um, confronted by the captain, she was like, it's clearly a rocket ship. <laughs> and then and they go you, back to her confessional and she was like, no, obviously it was a penis. Like, you, you know, forgot the resting bitch face part. He said, oh, he said, he Kate, said like, do you realize you have a resting bitch, bitch, bitch face? face? Yeah. And it, and then later, like a, a year later, that same guest came back and it was like a whole joke between them. But she almost got fired over it. She was oh, really no. Yeah. That was so. So, by so the I way. Gave, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I gave her my jacket and she actually made it into a giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. OK, my second favorite reality star of all time behind mm-hmm. Bethany. And I believe if 
first of all, Bravo, you could take that chat room and get rid of everybody on that screen except for keep Bethany from uh, Roni and Kate, and that's all you need. And have them go mm-hmm. over Bravo News. Take everybody else and just get rid of I them. I like Portia. I like Portia. Come on, I'll man. I'll you on that. You will uh, fight Portia. me. Okay, Portia and Kate Portia would be modern... better than Bethany and Kate. Tell me that with a straight face. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to see. I think Bethany needs a little break from Bravo. Okay, but let's just say all things being equal. Let's say she's like, oh, I'm open to doing a show. And I yes. would, and it'll be two housewives who could you yeah. pick better than kate and bethany it would be kate and bethany would be great the bonkers, issue is hilarious. that the problem is is that kate's the only one that's not on a current show right and it's she's better because of it all these others like have to i don't know i feel like why do they get to come in on their own show why do they get like extra time to state their case like giselle right. you know right. i don't think that's fair so i would rather it be I don't know. Fallen stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, if you just took those guys commenting, first of all, if 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 Bethany and Kate were not on a show, just commenting on the Bravo universe each show, they're so witty. Like I in in two lifetimes, three lifetimes, I wouldn't have as much wit as those two girls. So that's all I got. Kate to say about um, that. compares people to fonts, so she judges you and then tells you what font. You remind her of, and um, she's Times New Roman, Baskerville, whatever. Yeah, Wingdings, you know, Comic Sans. You don't want to be Comic Sans. It's a Kate is ridiculous. She's like totally on Melbourne, Florida's own Kate Chastain. Oh my goodness! And where did Bethany? Is she Manhattan girl, or she grew up outside the city? I think she grew up not in Manhattan. I think she was in Long Island. No, her. Her, I think so, but then weren't her parents into racehorsing? I don't really understand. I don't really remember. It it's a little a bit ago. of a mystery. A little bit of a mystery there. Okay. Yeah. All right. With uh, below deck Malia, did you, okay? Would you keel haul Malia? And do you think it's appropriate when you know if you're Captain Sandy, and you know that somebody on the show fancies themselves as your protege, that it's appropriate that you sort of feed into that and absorb that adulation uh, to me like it was quite obvious that the fa- her favorite person on the entire boat and as a leader as a former like military guy i don't want all of my troops to know that i have a favorite i don't want to have a favorite and right. if i did have a favorite i wouldn't make it obvious who that person was i, your- I agree i totally agree okay i i just thought that was inappropriate because it allowed uh, Malia to do a certain amount of sucking up, a certain amount of ass kissing, and I real I respect Captain Sandy for everything that she's had to do in the industry to get where she is, to become a respected captain who's basically going for you know hundreds and more meters size boats because she wants to go after the absolute biggest vessels out there, which I think is great, uh, mm-hmm. very ambitious, but. I, I worry about her leadership when she does what she did with Kiko. Uh, you fire the dude and then ask him to stay on and do breakfast. What are you, high? What are you doing? I know. She I know. And she sometimes fixates on things that um, don't make a whole lot of sense. Like on table decor when there's like a whole lot, like, like the food is the problem or whatever it is. She just is like missing the thing half the time. 
And what was your thoughts about the way would you have handled it just like Malia or would you have had if you had found the drugs, would you have handled it in a different manner? Oh, my God. Yeah, there is just a lot wrong there. I feel like there should have been a conversation between the captain and Hannah about, you know, okay, just so you know, like you needed to declare this and talk about it. I mean, Hannah probably because she takes it regularly and because it's a prescribed medication, she's not thinking that it's, you know, something that she would have to declare. So I don't know. I mean, I feel uh, like they're just need it could have been done more. I don't know. This is, but this I also is, don't know maritime law. I don't know well, like what they're like legally liable for. Well, if, I'll, I'll take her word for it that once it, so I'm going to put this on Malia. Because Kate, Kate even said, if you listen to one of the, uh, one of the um, instances where I think Kate was on with with Andy, doing um, Watch What Happens Live, and they discussed it a little bit, and she said, I've seen drugs in cabins on boats before with other crew members. There's, I've seen stuff. It, it it's out there, but for me, once it was revealed and Malia put it, and it was on camera, and everybody saw it. I believe, just based on me, and regardless of how I just criticized Sandy, I believe she had to act. So that part, I, I'm okay with. She had to do, because now it's on camera, and it's documented, and her license is on the line and all that. I blame Malia. I don't think Malia had to do it. I think Malia was being vengeful. She could have spent two weeks in the cabin with, um, I can't remember who she was rooming with, uh, but she bugs, I think she was rooming with Hannah and she didn't want to, uh, put her and Bugs together because Bugs, there's a little bit of backstabbing going on and she didn't want to upset that balance. So I, I feel like she should have just said, Hey, Hannah, you need to <clears throat> declare this or lock it up or throw it overboard or show a prescription or do something. And if she said, you know, F you, you know, then maybe, you know, okay, maybe she goes to the captain. I believe she, the worst thing, like one of the most important things in my life is friends. People come from my hometown, they'll tell you, if I went to kindergarten with them, we're still, you know, if I have content, we're still friends. Like mm-hmm. friends are what I value more than anything. And I would not, th- these guys have heard me talk about it in the MMA context with fighters that, that uh, got other fighters in trouble or or got them kicked off teams, etc. I don't think she should have gone to the captain and ratted her out and I think I would not she is so ambitious that as a somebody I am a follower you know be in the military you're a follower and then you're a leader but you're always going there's always somebody above you that outranks you and I would not want to follow somebody like her because I know that she to get to the next rung she would take her foot and step right on my face to get up that ladder yeah no and she held it in her back pocket until she needed it so. She, she did right. She had already. I don't think taken she was. I don't think she was truly concerned about safety on the boat. No. If she was, it would have been like a. Oh, I need to deal with this immediately. So. I agree. That's another point that nobody's brought out. I don't believe her. I think she, that girl. I'm sorry. I think she's a liar, and I would not want to either work on a boat with her, for her, or around her. I wouldn't trust her among a lot of the different crew members I've seen there. Obviously, the other. You know, we could get into. The misogynistic, uh, I can't remember what that, the male person that gave a lot of trouble, Ashton. Mm-hmm. Ashton and the other knucklehead, uh, Brian. They always hire these assholes from South Africa, and it mm-hmm. makes me so sad because I love South I, Africa. 
Yeah, I know. I know. No kidding. That other young man turned around quite a bit, though. The guy with Jezebel or what was the that? The one from Zimbabwe. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that he turned he turned himself around a little bit. Uh, I w- let's finish up with uh, with Olivia Jade, and then I'll touch on just the Bravo after show because I I, I feel like you guys kind of love the blood in the water. On the you guys are like sharks. Like as soon as you see blood, you guys are, like, you know. But in <laughs> the Bravo after shows, but with Olivia Jade, um, so you know, Will's a little close to this. He was educated at UCLA. Um, and I had an absolutely sick feeling in my stomach when I know that kids that had worked really hard to get into college were had a spot taken by these super wealthy kids that didn't work hard, didn't want to work hard, went on camera saying they didn't even really want to go to class that much, actually got into a school. And I was just, I was really happy that they had to go and and make some uh, restitution so that other rich people wouldn't try to do the same thing and displace a poor a poor kid. But when that young lady went on that red table show, I felt a little bit different than you guys. Uh, and I don't want to say you, but some of the reality hosts that talked about it were like cheering on this lady, Gammy, when that girl, I thought she was being very contrite. I think... She didn't know what she didn't know. As you were talking about Stasi, we can kind of make a similar analogy to, oh, yeah. this, to this young girl, Livia Jade. And I think I, as somebody, you know, from sort of a working class, I abhor what she did and how she trivialized getting to go to a school like USC that I would like die to go to that school if I were smart enough to get in there. And I'm not. So that's why I'm not going to go there. Uh, but what did you think about how... Uh, particularly that one young lady treated her when she was being contrite. Fair, unfair? Um, a bit of both. I don't know. I think people just like have a lot of pent up emotions about all kinds of things. And when there is finally someone who they're like, you got caught doing something wrong, they end up unleashing like so much that has been building up for so long. That wasn't just the result of what Olivia Jade did, but like the result of like, years of systemic oppression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like that all came out at once and I don't fault um, people for like that all coming out at once. I don't think it's the most effective way to move forward, but um, I don't know. I, think I don't a lot of people felt very wronged and they just saw her as like a person they could share all of their anger with. Will, I don't know if you if you if you saw that interview or not, where she went on with uh, I believe it was Will Smith's wife. Um, oh yeah, she hosts Red Table yeah. Talk. I don't watch it very often, and I don't even think I saw that. I just saw, like a clip or two. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that this young woman is like what twenty. She's yeah. lived in a bubble her whole life. Her parents live in a bubble. Like there's just so much that she doesn't know, and um. For me, the only thing that's annoying is when people go on these shows not to be accountable, but to launch a new career or a new path. That's what's frustrating. Sure. So with Stassi, when she went on Tamron Hall, I'm like, you didn't need to go on Tamron Hall now. Like, wait maybe a year till you're more well-read, till you are more comfortable talking about issues of race and society and police brutality, till you have more language 
of to use how to describe everything right and and don't go on to try and save your career but do it because you want to have a dialogue and you want to further the dialogue with people who even agreed with what you did and you want to like show them hey actually it's not okay what i did and this is why it's not okay and i'm here to be held accountable and this is maybe how i got to this situation was because i was constantly rewarded for poor behavior you yeah know? yeah that that doesn't give people that approach doesn't give people additional um you know additional things to come at her with right if she's doing that it basically says okay i'm 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 sorry this is how i'm moving on and it's a little bit more airtight that way if you're if you're well read if you actually are sorry for what you did and read up on what the ramifications mean to you know the kids who are struggling right working after school um you know um supporting their parents while going to school at the same time really struggling to get a spot yeah. um yeah but also like there are so many legal ways to jump ahead yeah. Like you could just give an endowment to the school and just get in. Like these are like, I don't understand. I mean, maybe not the university, like the UC system, because those are public, but private institutions. Well, the UC, even the public institutions, they found ways, they no, found ways to get yeah. in. But this is, this is kind of the, one of the things that we were, we were joking about amongst, um, you know, my friends and the academic circles or whatnot. We were, we were just saying, why would you pay so much money to get into USC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, says a UCLA grad. Shut up, Will. Shut up, man. Don't talk because about it, USC, man. I mean, they paid a lot of it. No, like on a on the serious end, I, I am a UCLA grad, and there is a rivalry there. But like some of the schools that they were paying into, they were paying to get into. It was just almost like they were actually they were actually being robbed by this intermediary that was taking their money because you would just say, why would you pay so much to get into that school? Because you could do so much less to get into that school. Dude, and dude, hey, like, USC has had Harold Minor. Who have you had? Like Kareem? <laughs> I mean, you know, shut up, man. The school has done a good job in the past since, you know, since I applied, since I applied just, to kidding. undergrad. They've done a, a better job of boosting their rankings or whatnot. But um, my point kind of one of the one of the ways that we made we made it we made it funny. <laughs> but at the same time, there's an element of truth. <laughs> well, man, he is so untoward, this guy. I, I, I thank you for putting up with this, uh, Mandy. You have better <laughs> things to do with your time than listen to Dr. Will Wu. I did the, the thing to me though. I I drew with the young lady. I drew a jujitsu analogy. You could see in the background there that Will is, he's actually grappling with our former professor there. And one of the things in a jujitsu academy is when you have like a black belt, and definitely if he's a larger person, and you're going and you're smashing like a white belt or a blue belt or someone, and you're like just taking pleasure in just pounding this person, people are not gonna like cheer you or think that's awesome. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's assumed that you're going to lose, you know, and to me, it's a good like, analogy. yeah, and to that young lady, um, obviously she's not that well equipped to deal with mature, intelligent women that have a lot of life experience. She came out and said, I'm sorry. I know I did wrong. I know my parents did. I know that I didn't know the full gravity of it, but, but now I know and understand. She also wasn't part of it. Like it's very right. obvious the investigation that she did not know that her parents did this. Like, right. 
that also must feel awful to think know that your parents don't believe in you yeah to be able to get into the school and have to cheat Abs- that must feel really shitty absolutely and that's like, why I, she's that not was there. my that was literally my first reaction reading some of the stuff was the kids that had no idea that someone else took the test scores for them right and things like that where they took a test and that test had been thrown out and then someone else had sat for the test instead of them the or proctor. changed their test scores and the then proctor. they thought that they tested better they were like oh my god I'm really smart. And they probably got some, you know, felt better about themselves. You don't know if they had extreme self-esteem. I mean, it's a rough age to be. And then to find out that it was all because your parents didn't think you could do it via the rules. Yeah. As, as a, as their, like their parents, I don't necessarily know if they were looking at the longer game because when I went to undergrad, I had never met such intelligent people in my life. Like I didn't know there could be people that smart. Like literally you get to the point where, you know, like everybody, I was a science major. So every pretty much most of them wanted to be doctors. So it's super competitive, right? So we're studying for classes and people are just going, people are just going to lecture and not studying and getting awesome grades because they're super smart like that. And so imagine from a standpoint, okay, you get her in, What's going to happen after she gets in? Are you going to continue to pay off the professors and just so she can get get through the school? Um, even though it's USC, there are going to be smart people at USC. Yeah. And and she's going to have to survive that. And she if she couldn't survive high school or get past high school at a moderately successful rate, what imagine what what are they thinking she's going to be like when she get, actually gets into the university? Is it is it more contributions? Is it is it more payoffs, that sort of thing? So I it's think it's paying like... people to do the, 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 the work. But I just want to push back on, I thought your moment of meeting someone of high intelligence that amazed you is when we met. And now I'm <laughs> finding out that, that, is that not the way it went? You amaze me every day, DJ. <laughs> I won't say the specific ways, but it's amazing. Mandy, I'm for Clemp. You got it. <laughs> I'm just jealous you went to UCLA. I didn't even think about like weather when I was applying to schools. You know, so it was a really unique experience because you know the location. It's right yeah. in the West LA area. So no, I have right... two really good friends who went to UCLA. Yeah, and it's like who now I'm live going... in DC. Yeah, I'm going to undergrad, and then I'm just tr- I'm studying. But then again, like living next door to me you have basically like you had mentioned earlier you have people who are living in apartments that want to be an actor or want to you know want to be in film or or want to produce movies and it was like the beach (laughs) (laughs) like i spent um so i went to undergrad at george washington university Uh which is amazing i fell in love with dc i stayed here but um i would i lived abroad in college for like was seven months eight months um and where i was uh university of cape town wow in south africa that's why yeah. you love south africa okay i love south africa um and you know i lived pretty not far but like i wasn't like at the ocean like it took a while and you had to take public transportation which back then like were these like mini buses and mm. your cell phones didn't, there was no uber so you like i don't know <laughs> it was a whole and it was all like a racial system too of who took which modes oh. of transportation and that was weird and confusing and sometimes dangerous. Um, yeah. So, but like I went to the beach almost 
when it was like nice out almost every weekend because I had never lived near the ocean. Oh, wow. So Where'd you grow up? I, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow. Okay. Ooh. Wow. Like Tom Friedman, yeah, man. What's up? Oh, many- he actually, um, I saw him on the news tonight. Yeah. I always forget this, but when I was um, 16, I was a counselor in training at a Jewish summer camp mm-hmm. and he would send his kids to this camp, even though he lived out on the East coast and he came and he like hung out with us for a couple hours and like, we oh got God. to ask him all these questions about what it meant to be part of the white house press corps. And like, no one really got it. Like everyone's like 16, but I was this huge nerd and I knew all this shit about <laughs> politics. I had so many fucking questions. Um, I would die and look at, and Robert Zimmerman. Bob oh, he Dillon? also went to that yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah, Bob Dylan. Same camp. <laughs> See, I just I just scored points with Mandy, but you guys don't know. <laughs> Minnesota so, Jews uh, for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> so Mandy, I've I've only been to Minnesota. I went to Minneapolis once. Kevin Garnett. A lot of people don't know he's Jewish. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> he lives, but no, he's not. But he did live next to a bunch of Jews. <laughs> I went to Minneapolis in the summer for a conference once. First time I'd ever been there. Um, and then we're in the we're in the middle of the city, and I'm looking at these walkways that like, connect <laughs> buildings, right? And yeah. I'm going, what? Like, what's going on? And it's in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm born and raised in Southern California, so I'm going, like, what the heck is going on? They're like, dude, it gets cold here. And I'm like, so cold that you never want to go outside. Like, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it was. Then it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, it gets really cold here. Like, so And there's we, underground tunnels too. Yeah. So we took a combination of that to get to where we're staying to where the twins played because we were having a, a banquet where the, in the stadium. And um, that was like one of our, one of our things as non-Minnesota citizens or Minnesota residents being, okay, we're going to just, we're not going to walk outside, but we're going to go to the, where the twins play. Oh, you could easily do that. Yeah. But I was just like, holy moly, it must be super cold here because they have, you never, like, you don't need to go outside to get from one location to another in the city. I mean, it's, it's rough. Like, I don't know. I, I think I never get cold here in DC the way that I got cold at home and people don't seem to get it. And I'm like, no, when it gets so cold that the inside of your nose freezes. <laughs> like Frozen freezes. Boogers. Yes. Um, and like can cut you. Oh yeah. Like oh because, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it becomes so frozen or y- your eyelashes like free, like your tears, like you can't, you know, <laughs> if the wind comes and you get tears because the wind is, you know, so heavy and then you like tear and then it just, that freezes. Like it's just so bone chilling cold where you can barely gasp for air because it's, <laughs> I mean, and we, I remember waking up one morning and, you know, we had a two car garage and then I had this like crappy car and that would be on the driveway. So <laughs> before my parents left for work, no block I would eater. <laughs> turn, turn the car on, wait yeah. 10 minutes, climb on top of the car with a shovel and shovel off the top of the car and then hit the ice and try to break the chunks of the ice so they would fall off the side of the car. Oh my then gosh. get in the car all while wearing a ski mask. And like, oh you know, a full like hat that like went with only just the eyes and, you know, and then it'd be, I'd look, you know, inside before I left and it would say negative 24, oh you gosh. know, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm going in today. Uh, high okay. School. okay. My first experience <laughs> going, going, experiencing Minnesota cold was when I met Nick, 
We were in Cleveland, and I went to Cleveland. That's not even negative twenty, dude. Let me tell you, twenty-four. I I left Cleveland. No cancellations. For real, (laughs) not even a conversation about it. I went to UFC Minnesota in in Minneapolis to watch Juicy F fight, uh, and I left Cle- I left the airport in Cleveland and landed in Minnesota and was like, "Holy shit, this is like real cold. Like Cleveland feels like warm compared to this. I know. So Chicago feels warm feel compared to Minneapolis half That's the time. Ooh. It is Andy. How many months when you were living in Minnesota? How many months did you not want to go outside? of the year Uh, so you get used to going outside when other people wouldn't go outside right so like the way that i see it now it would probably be like november december january february march oh my gosh that's how i would but like i you still go outside like growing up like i was like okay like any day it was like in the 20s was like Uh an outdoor sports day that's like, that's like 85 in Southern right. California. Right. Yeah. 90 degrees in Southern California. So that was like a, you know, I had teachers like, um, so I lived like a, maybe eight minutes from the like border of Minneapolis, like mm-hmm. right outside. And I had teachers cross country ski to school. Wow. That is so dope, man. That is so cool. Like, like people think it's, I don't know. And then we were on a lake also. My school, like everything's on a lake, right? In Minnesota. But mom, the lake would freeze and then people would build their fishing huts. And so like you would see the fishing huts for (laughs) months. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, I I mean, it used to snow. First snow would probably be October, latest early November. That's a that's a lot of time out of the year. And then there had been times that it snowed even at the end of April. And in the summer, is it hot and humid? Yeah, but not as hot and humid as DC. Okay. But you know, unfortunately, there are some like a lot more people that don't have air conditioning, mm. and you still need air conditioning like to prevent heat stroke and things like that because like it does get hot sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, to... those are your basic needs. You basically you have you have internet service, you have cable air conditioning then you have food water mm-hmm. and shelter so I mean. yeah Minneapolis is like a whole other I don't know how people and the thing is is like people are really hardy and they find really unique creative ways to still enjoy themselves mm-hmm. and people don't complain a whole lot so I don't know like I kind of thought I was crazy the whole time I was growing up and I was just freezing all the time I was so cold <laughs> I would talk all the time. I like my dad even brings it up. He was like, you complained so much about being cold. And like he used to put um, stuff over my windows, like in my room where he would try and insulate it even more. And I had like so many blankets. And it's just I had a room with a lot of windows on like the edge of the house. Oh, goodness. And it was just colder. And I just was cold all the time. <laughs> even my mom was on? too. Yeah. No, my mom bitched about it all the time until they got a house in Florida. I was just going to say you probably dying to move to Florida or something. Oh, no, my mom, like, like, there was like one day where she just was like, I am not shoveling anymore. They literally bought a house in Florida and she would go like in November and stay through May. So is this is this your way of saying that I shouldn't be considering uh, applying for a job in Vermont? Is that being that I, <laughs> I live don't know. In Everyone has their own. Like, I I don't. My family isn't as outdoor winter sports as a lot of other Minnesota families are. Yeah, like, so, I'd be like, oh, do you know? We would do like cross country skiing sometimes as a family, 
like it was fun but a lot of times when it was like any sort of or even camping like my family didn't camp mm-hmm. like, whenever I was like come on mom because like, we would do it through like camp and friends and whatever and she was just like we're Jewish Mandy like when, <laughs> we when I learned I also learned that like uh, on Twitter there was someone that like posted this once and it got a lot of traction but it was like whenever you wanted to do something and your parents didn't want to do it did they use the excuse of being Jewish I'm like, did you like? Are you now like looking back and wondering how many things you didn't get as a child because your parents were like, "We don't do that. We're Jews." Like my mom used that excuse for like everything. This is this is just this is amazing. Well, you know what? We're not even going to talk MMA this show at all. I mean, this we are dedicating. Where I'm trying to see where we're at. We're we are at the 124 mark. We are dedicating this entire episode to Mandy Slutsker. Uh, who has basically talked me down off a reality TV ledge that I was kind of looking over and I was kind of holding on to the building and I'm like, back off, man, I'll jump. And she's like, you've talked me back up on the building. I'm in the roof now. I also think like if you're getting frustrated with shows, just stop watching them and start Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It is that out there, but fun and fresh and interesting that I don't think you'll get frustrated. Okay. I just, they're also I, new. Like they're not entirely sure what the hell they're doing. All right. Let me let me let me <laughs> ask you. Let me ask you a question again. And this is something that I I'm kind of scared because I'm afraid you're going to hit me right now. But uh, I told Will and Nick I was going to ask you this. If mm-hmm. if a lot of us started watching reality television because they were grounded in reality, and now we're kind of we're really <laughs> stretching that definition to its absolute limits with production with choosing certain cast members and then telling them what they ought to do and having them know and they're checking their screen time to see oh gee i was only on for eight minutes or you know nine minutes in this episode if i don't start acting up i'm gonna get right all that stuff Mm -hmm. um what is it that people go absolutely bonkers for these shows and specifically, we're talking. I was going to say the blood in the water at the reality show. I think you guys have talked about that. That that if once the fighting starts, you kind of you guys kind of get excited. What is it about us that we need that? Um, I think an escape, and also it's interesting to watch people who are delusional. Okay. Like, Car wreck I find stuff. that fascinating. I feel like I'm a little bit too aware of my surroundings. I wish I kind of like had this, I don't know. I wish I was a little bit more like Sonia kind of like flailing around and having an absolute ridiculous time. Okay. Um, you know, I find it, I don't know. I just find it interesting. There's also a lot that's real. Like even with these ridiculous personalities, you see people respond to grief. Mm -hmm. You see people respond to real life problems, whether it be marriage issues or financial issues or, what have you relationships within families family dynamics friend dynamics things people can really relate to and um every year i feel like something new kind of comes about that we haven't seen before and it's interesting you know on dallas you saw for the first time we actually went watch someone go through an adoption yeah. and adopt a child and you know i ended up interviewing the guy who helped with the adoption he runs an adoption mm-hmm. agency and he's like what you didn't see is that it took about seven months to get through this particular part of the process <laughs> right right <laughs> but i think you know maybe it opened a lot of people's hearts and minds to being interested in that you know and then you hear i mean you see a lot of people who struggle with infertility or um emily simpson who had twins that um you know didn't make it 
And, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of like real life stuff, too. So even though these are kind of like sometimes out there, crazy people, not all of them are out there and crazy, but being able to bear witness to their lives and to Mm -hmm. see them live out loud and live so authentically. And in particular with housewives, women are supposed to be we have such constraints about how we're supposed to behave and you know, you're not supposed to yell because then you're aggressive or mm-hmm. bitchy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to be that. You're supposed to be subservient. You're supposed to be submissive. You're supposed to be hot. You're supposed to be like, it's so, there's so many societal constraints, constraints. And to see women in their fifties and sixties, just doing what, like bringing a stranger Rocking home, like dancing yeah. on a bar, like living their life Liberating. out loud. It is liberating. And it's because, you know, Hollywood won't, write these women's stories into things that we watch like you know Reese Witherspoon is not even that old but yet she is always cast as the mom in every single like you know role since she's been 35 Mm -hmm. she's now like the mom of a 20 year old (laughs) like you know it's just I don't know I think it's fascinating to watch people live their life so unapologetically yeah, and that you you've totally contextualized it, and um, you have talked me off the ledge. I'm I'm <laughs> safely back in. I'm actually in the stairwell now. But uh, but to close it all out, uh, I don't think I think we'd be remiss if Nick didn't ask you about Tom and Erica Jane. Ooh, yeah. What? <laughs> Nick, where's your bass, man? Play the bass. All right. What? So I kind of told these guys about Tom Girardi and Erica Jane, and I thought maybe you could tell us. Where you think this is going to go, this is probably the most serious thing that has happened with any or the uh, any Bravo liberty at all uh, of what, yeah, what they're facing. Yeah, besides Teresa and Joe. I um, forgot about that, Teresa and Joe. Yeah, but even, yeah, it, it actually could be worse, though. I think uh, it is worse. It could, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you want to hear the backstory on it, Kate Casey has an amazing mm-hmm. interview with two LA Times reporters who dig deep into what happened with um, Tom Girardi's law firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, he's been you know making money off of contingency cases where he ends up winning and getting large sums, but then the rest of it's supposed to be payout to the clients. Um, or to the plaintiffs, and then he was using client money to do other things and then paying them off with other money, and it ended up being sort of what appears to be sort of a Ponzi scheme of contingency cases and payouts. Um, and it, it's pretty bad. I mean, it, there is a lot of allegations um, that they took money that was meant for families victims of an Indonesian plane crash, and uh you know use it for his own expenses and oh do you guys want to see my dog by the way yeah absolutely bella come on over here bella come say hello got my cat but she's not one this is stassi hello stassi oh Oh, yeah yeah what's up what's up girlfriend is this a is a westie what is she yeah, she's a Westie. Oh, very good. I'm scoring more points. I got five Jews, and now I've got the dog. You guys are out, man. <laughs> Goodbye, Will. Goodbye, Nick. Not many, not yeah. many people know what Westie. They're not like a very common breed. Yeah, come on, man. I've got three, two dogs and three cats. So my, my, I'll send you some photos, but Athena got spayed today, so she's not very happy, and Bella is comfortably laying over in the bed next to me. But anyway... um. 
Mandy, uh, thank you very much. By the way, yeah, Kate Casey, that uh, she she had a lawyer on to talk about Tom and Erica Jane, which was For phenomenal. The and then the oh, report, she had a lawyer. She had, oh, a lawyer. She had a lawyer. Yeah, uh, I can't remember a female lawyer to talk about the legalities. And the next week, yeah. those two investigative reporters so were awesome. The, the interesting thing about all of this is that Erica, so the wife of Tom Girardi, and he's famous because of the Aaron Brockovich case. Um, she made a whole like alter ego persona that became a pop star. Again, it's wonderful to watch a woman become a pop star at age 45, mm -hmm. right? And like do the gay club circuit in Europe. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but, you know, one of her songs was It's Expensive to Be Me. And she elevated the amount of spending and fashion and glam and glam squads and glam teams, people doing your hair, your makeup, choosing your outfits, doing your chore choreographer choreography and um you know if this money a lot of it came from her husband and his money came from money that was supposed to go to plaintiffs including plaintiffs and you know wrongful death suits and you know they got cancer as a result of something that a company did and things like that it's really awful and so i think what's going to happen is she's going to claim complete ignorance and say that he had complete control of all finances and even money that went to her business from his business, even though her name was on things, she didn't really understand what was going on. She is a smart girl. I feel like maybe she had some inkling that things were mm -hmm. off, but I think she's gonna, you know, claim ignorance and throw him completely under the bus and now try and open up because she's been on the show for a long time and she does not really share a whole lot about herself so we'll see if it's it going to be the, the teresa judice or judice defense yeah more or less man that was so yeah that's basically what what teresa said but they didn't buy it all uh because she had her signatures on things so they, that's why i think yeah. she got time yeah so that's that's amazing uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah, so shout out to your friends, Jeff Rothschild, right? Yeah. And your Rothschild. other. Yeah, Rothschild. Rothschild. Yeah. Okay, I want to make sure I say that. Jeff Rothschild. I've just been kicked out of the Jewish League of America because of that. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, Kate Casey, uh, the amazing Kate Casey, aptly named, I would say. Um, but uh, so the, this is the triumvirate. This is like Caesar and Pompey Magnus and Marcus Aurelius, you know. The, the, these three for me so you uh, should also listen to bitch sesh if you don't i that's have not heard favorite. that one okay. oh my god that's my favorite housewives podcast it's danielle schneider and um casey wilson okay. and they are two um female comedians writers actors uh they used to be involved in or are still involved in ucb upright citizens brigade um comedy okay. they're i've heard of them yeah, yeah, okay, hilarious yeah. And they tell Versus some of the brigade. most, I mean, Casey's dark humor is second to none. She told a story on this past podcast about how when her mom died, her mom loved Coca-Cola so much. She like tossed a few bottles in the casket. Like a few cans. <laughs> <laughs> and only as they were driving away from the gravesite did like she tell her brother who was like, those are going to explode all over mom's bones. Um, and as someone whose mom died, I, I just appreciated it a lot. <laughs> you have these moments um that end up being so dark and hilarious um when you experience grief that i feel like few people can truly appreciate that level of dark humor and i can i can it. appreciate i'm like i lost I, I lost mine in like 90 
four. So yeah. that was quite a long time ago, but I, I know I know how you feel. Um, yeah. So I got I got one love for you. And um, this is the host of Is This Real Life? Question mark, right, Will? <laughs> it is. Mandy Slutsker. And Thank you guys so much. Man, I just loved having you on. Uh, it was so much fun. And that's why we just uh, just decided to do the entire hour of uh, of reality TV. The first foray of life MMA in the NBA into reality TV. And we're honored and extremely thankful that you joined us. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mandy. Yeah. Well, nice to meet it you. It was so fun. This is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> all right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us all out with Steve Winwood again. This is a song called John Barleycorn Must Die for Mandy Slutsker, Nick Cazono, Dr. Will Wu. I'm DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road. See what I mean, Mandy? <laughs> with the size of